0: Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir. Training! Son. What kind of training, son? Pizza training,
1: sir. Welcome to episode 2 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam Fouser with Fowser Consulting. And in today's episode, we've got a few segments for you. First, we're going to talk about leadership and an upcoming e-learning and workshop that Sam is building. We're going to review the book, Who Moved My Cheese? And we're going to interview Michigan franchisee Eric Arnston. Sam, did I miss anything in that? No, I
2: think he caught it all, Drew. Pretty uh, exciting stuff today. Really looking forward to that conversation.
1: Always a great time when we spend some time with Gold Franny winners like Eric. We do like bringing Gold Franny winners on. That'll be two for two for us. That's kind of nice. Sam, how's your week going? You working on anything?
2: Yeah, uh, doing great this week. Spent some time in Illinois. Actually worked New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in a store that... Well, for goodness sake, when I looked at the hourlies, Drew, they did more between five and seven o'clock than I did in my last entire week as a franchisee back in 99. So they changed me to the make line. I was stretching some dough and uh, believe it or not, this old dog can still go for a little bit. I'm, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, as Toby Keith likes to say. So, so that was a good time stretched, uh, gosh, 700 pizzas, I think, in about four and a half hours. And I think the kids were surprised that the old man could keep up. So that's been fun.
1: Nice. Nice. I have stretched four pizzas in about seven and a half months. So we're similar there. We're close. Well, i bet those four (laughs) pizzas were damn good though. (laughs) Uh, they, they, They were. Terrific. How about you? What have you been working on? Digging in on Learning Hub. I've got a client who's asked me to reset their Learning Hub and reorganize it for how they work as opposed to how a corporation works. So digging in through all the modules and resetting everything to their expectations and adding in a couple of nice things too. So what I think
2: I hear you saying at Better Than Yesterday Consulting is one of the services that you're providing for your clients is getting in there to the learning hub, helping them set it up. As I look on Facebook, I see a lot of folks are having some challenges getting that done. So that's awesome that you're providing that service. Uh, We're doing that as well at Fowser Consulting. So if any of our listeners out there having any challenges at all with Learning Hub, reach out to either one of us and we'd be glad to
1: help you out. It's a fun activity to go through, especially with the added modules from uh, the corporate learning and development team over the last seven or eight months. Uh, with all the COVID and then the new product, there's just a ton of new modules. And if folks don't know how to add them to their program, they're just sitting out there unused. So yeah, there's there's huge upside to a little bit of maintenance. It sounds to me, Drew, like you've got a little experience with Learning
2: Hub. Is that something you, you dipped your toes in the water or, or did you dive right into the deep end on that?
1: A little bit of both. I was running the corporate training team when we moved from HPU to Learning Hub. So the setup for the, that the franchisees received was the initial setup that I created for the- Wait corporate a second, stores. that you created? So they yes. can get in on the
2: ground floor of the development if they, if they reach out to either one of us and,
1: and, and hear it straight from the horse's mouth, as it were? To be clear, I didn't build the modules. Those are other folks doing that. I did lay out which things went first and then the order of things and tried to veto some of it. There's a couple things that need to go away. And I can help franchisees with that because let's be honest, if you're making your team members sit through a 20-minute how-to-do order entry module on a computer, you're not doing this right. Well, that's great. That sounds like a fantastic service. What else you got coming up? Heading out to uh, Virginia actually tomorrow to help a franchisee and uh, her brand new supervisor. Three days with me and the supervisor going through stores, teaching him how to be a supervisor.
2: Oh, that sounds great. Um w- You know, when you get into that, talking to a new supervisor, it's been my experience. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of franchisees or directors of operations identify their very best managers to promote to that supervisor position. And what I see is that that's not the easiest to transition in the world. What are you
1: seeing? No, that's spot on. In fact, um, I'll name drop for a second. While I was riding in a car once and I had Patrick Doyle in the car seat next to me, he was the one that told me that going from manager to supervisor was the hardest jump at Domino's and, and he is spot on. And I can't think anybody that would actually disagree with that. In your four walls, you've got full total control. You're there for 50, 60% of the time it's open as a supervisor. If you've got even four stores, you're there for 10% of the time it's open. You don't have full control. So that influencing and the ability to communicate ramps up so much greater than as a GM. And you can see it in the ones that are successful. I'm not saying great GMs can't be great supervisors. However, I've seen great communicators be great supervisors. Yeah, so one of the things I always
2: say is that supervisors are responsible for everything and yet in charge of nothing.
1: And Sam, I say something very similar to that because I agree. They are responsible for everything. They're just accountable to nothing because they're not making the pizzas. Someone else is. Yeah, we're in the same boat. Everything is in their wheelhouse, but they're not actually doing any of the work. They've got to delegate it out. Terrific. Well, you know, coming up on my
2: radar, I'm going to be doing a interview and selection class with our friend, Anthony Satterwhite. Let's talk about leadership, Drew. What what are you seeing out there and and what kinds of things do you think we can talk about today on our podcast that are going to help our listeners out there become better leaders?
1: You know what? I'm going to actually bounce it right back to you because I understand that you have a leadership workshop coming up. So why don't you tell our listeners, a little bit about that leadership workshop, uh, what you do and what they might be able to get out of that.
2: Sounds terrific. Uh, I too was in Virginia. So it sounds like Virginia is getting a huge dose of consulting from from both Better Than Yesterday Consulting and Fouser Consulting. I had the opportunity to spend some time with my friends at Commonwealth Pizza. We spent three days in a one-day leadership workshop. In those three days, we did the same workshop three times. Talk to all their general managers and assistant managers. And the thing that kept coming up is anytime you talk to leaders, what's important, I hear over and over and over again, you've got to lead by example. And at some point in the last couple of months, it came to me that you don't really get a choice on whether or not you're going to lead by example. You absolutely do lead by example, no matter what you're doing. Your choice is what example you're going to lead by. And we spent a lot of time talking about that in the leadership workshop.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. I was a little confused momentarily when you were like, I spent three days in a one-day workshop. I was like, wow, that's, that's a way to stretch that content out, Sam. If I were a GM in your leadership workshop, what's something I could expect to get out of it or take back to my store?
2: Well, we, we break it down into segments like we do with all our workshops. And one of the big things we talk about that I think is, is really missing in leaders that are just setting out on their journeys, we talk about setting clear expectations for their team. I think a lot of time leaders are out there and they're wondering why their teams aren't performing to the levels that they expect. And when you start to dig down, when you start to find the core of the problem, The truth lies solely on the shoulders of the leader. They haven't set clear expectations. So we do a little exercise around setting expectations and what that looks like. And what are you saying to your team when it comes to on time? Are you clearly defining exactly what on time means to you? Are you telling your drivers that four o'clock means you're here at four o'clock? Or are you telling them that when I say you've got to be here at four o'clock, that means you're clocked in? you've got a bank, your car top sign is on, you're in full image, and you're ready to take a delivery at four o'clock, not just running into the door at four o'clock, looking like Superman saying, yeah, I made it. So a lot of light bulbs going on there when they start to see how much detail you really need to talk to your team members about when it comes to setting expectations. I see a lot of folks having challenges with image and punctuality. And to me, it all comes back to setting those clear expectations. I think that our leaders out there don't do a great job of setting those clear expectations so that their team members
1: can perform. Interesting. I I would agree with that. That clear expectation piece is just huge. Are you all right if I throw in a sports metaphor? Uh, I I like the sports ball. There was a coach for the New York Giants, uh, Tom Coughlin, and his rule was if his meeting started at 4 p.m., you had to be in your seat ready to take notes at 3.55 or you were late. And they called it Coughlin time. And that's just it. Everybody knew. Even even though the way the NFL contracts are written, they're not late till 4 o'clock, he would still find people at 3.56 if they weren't in their seat ready to take notes.
2: I wonder if Coughlin got that from the great Vince Lombardi. There was the old Lombardi time. If
1: you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're fired. Lombardi, and then it was Parcells, and it's yeah. Yeah, there's a whole tree of let's let's set expectations. If you think about it in our stores, that setting expectations comes in every time you talk to that successful GM, right? The the five star person tells you. You know, when you ask, how'd you get that five star? Their answer is always everybody in the store knows what the goal is. Everybody knows what it takes. Everybody knows what their role in that goal is. And it's about that saying expectations, whether it's something as simple as when to show up and what your uniform looks like, or as complex as making sure it's only a pizza you would serve to your grandmother that comes out of the oven. Yeah. And I think what I'm seeing is the difference between The good performers and the great performers is the good
2: performers understand the need for expectations and the great performers, I can walk around the store and talk to any team member and they can clearly state what the leader's expectations are. And I think you've got to make that connection between what it is you want to do and what it is you're actually getting done. And the only way to measure that is to talk to your team members and ask them, hey, what are my expectations? What what do you think it is I want? You know, today's leaders sometimes have a challenge talking face to face with folks and having those conversations with them. If you really want to know how you're leading, you got to ask your people. And that's one of the things we do in the workshop as well. We've got a self-evaluation where I ask them to go through and evaluate themselves on some traits and they go through and do that. And what I'm seeing for the most part is people are pretty open and honest with themselves. I don't have a lot of folks going through and straight lining down, oh, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, which is really nice to see. And then once we get done with that, I have them turned the page in their workbook and there's the same exact evaluation with the questions worded just a little bit differently. And it says, how would you rate your leader? As a leader. And they get a packet at the end. And it's it's what I call the leadership toolkit. And in their toolkit, they give it enough evaluations to hand out to their entire team. I was doing this leadership workshop. You know, I was fortunate enough to go up and see the honey badgers in Minnesota. And one of the managers came to me the day after the workshop, because I spent a few days in town, and he said, I handed out all of those evaluations. And his face just kind of got long. He said, You're right. I was not expecting to hear what I heard from some of the folks, but then he got a big smile on his face and he said, but now I know what I've got to work on. So I think that's really important. If you want to know what kind of leader you are, you should ask your folks and be ready to accept what they say without judging them or for goodness sake, make sure there's no backlash for them being honest with you. And. and to me, that's what great leaders do. They're constantly evaluating their leadership style. And then they're, they're asking their folks how they want to be led. And then they're taking action on the things that they can change. And, and, and that makes them a leader instead of a boss. I I don't think anybody
1: out there wants to work for a boss. I would agree with that. I know I don't want to work for a boss. Maybe you should start your own company. You know, that's a, Fabulous idea. I'll get right on that. So, the other thing
2: I like to tell folks when it comes to leadership is that this is what you need to know when you sign up to be a leader. First of all, it's not easy, it's not fair, and it's not for everyone. And when I say it's not easy, there's going to be days that are very challenging, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. And when I say it's not fair, I don't think there's anybody that's listening to us right now that hasn't been called in on their day off or missed date night with their significant other or missed a birthday party because somebody had to get in and open the store. Those are just the things that you're signing up for. And great leaders are constantly trying to build their bench to minimize those things that are going to cut into their personal time. But no matter what we do, there's always going to be something at some point where you're gonna to think to yourself, this isn't fair. And you're right, it's not. But the people that make that choice, the people that decide to be leaders, those are the people that get things that other people can't have because they're willing to do things
1: that other people aren't willing to do. You gotta go all in on it. You gotta be able to be there for your team and help your team and support your team and listen to your team. Yeah, It's good advice, Sam.
2: Yeah. I mean, you made a choice to be a leader. Now it's time for you to follow through for your team so that they can have the leader that they deserve.
1: If they don't have the leader they deserve, you will never have the team that you want. Well, it looks like that is the end of our first segment of this fabulous podcast. We've talked leadership for a few minutes. Uh, Let's go to our first sponsorship ad. Sam, do you have a word from Fowser Consulting? Hi, this is Sam from
2: Fowser Consulting. In today's episode, we're talking leadership. The best run stores have the very best leaders. At Fowser Consulting, we've created a one-day leadership workshop that will take you and your team to the next level. You'll learn how to set goals that drive results, communicate expectations clearly so the team can execute, practice communication skills that are designed to keep your team on track. This high energy and engaging workshop travels, and we'd love to come to your market. For more information, reach out to Fowser Consulting on the web at www.fouserconsult.com or email us at sam at You can call or text at 734 three five eight six two nine five leadership training designed to bring the best out of you and your team and now back to episode two
0: books books all the books i'll need all the books all the books i'll ever
1: want welcome back in our book review segment today i chose who moved my cheese by Spencer Johnson, M.D.
2: Yeah, Drew, it's a great choice. As I looked up, I was doing some, some research on who moved my cheese because I thought that it might have been kind of old and moldy cheese. But as it turns out, the book came out in 1998, which is you know 23 years ago. But as I looked on Amazon, it is still the number three bestseller in the workplace culture category, number seven in human resources and number 16 in stress management and self-help. So even though the book is, is 21 years old, it still resonates today. And it was a great read, much like the book we reviewed last time. It's, it's told in the way of a fable, which both you and I really enjoy. My copy actually came with a bullet-pointed handwriting-on-the-wall moments from the character that I actually uh, connected with pretty well, which was Haw. So let's start there. Drew, was there a particular handwriting-on-the-wall message that resonated with you. Thanks, Sam.
1: You know, there, there is, I, I chose this book because change management is something on the from the corporate side of me. It came up all the time and everybody wanted change management training. And here's this book that is a hundred-ish pages. If you sit down and you're a slow reader like I am, it takes 90 minutes, maybe two hours to go front to back. And yeah, you get this handwriting on the wall uh, if you get the hard copy version, a little handout for you. So I would say the one that that goes for me the most is actually the second to last, which is enjoy change. And it's savor the adventure and taste of new cheese because that's that's that motivator, that's the driver, to be able to look at the change that's coming and instead of feeling that that wave of dread or fear, to be waiting and, and and looking for that newness, to, to wonder what that, that new cheese tastes like or feel that new car or smell that new house if you've ever done that. Like all these things, that first day on the job, the first day in your new store, the first day supervising that new team, it's not a moment of fear, it's a moment of joy because of all the great new things that are coming your way.
2: Yeah, I think as I read the book and and Haw was contemplating Lee's leaving cheese station C, all the fear and anxiety that came up over him he started to realize that the journey was as much fun as the destination that he really had no idea where it was he was just out there looking for his new cheese and and trying to find it and I loved that he was excited about the journey and I started to think about things I've done in the past where I was reluctant To take on a new challenge or reluctant to start my own business and how it just ends up being a real energizer once you get started so i i really like that one as well i really connected immediately with the adapt to change quickly the quicker you get rid of the old cheese the sooner you can enjoy the new cheese in the world that we're living in today with all of the Constant changes with COVID 19, or the things you're seeing all over Facebook with the general managers that are jumping into a new world of flat boxing and no labels. We've got some people that are really embracing it, and we've got some people that just can't let go of the old way, even though they know the change is coming. And the question I would have is you know, if you're holding on to that old way, Even though you know the new way is coming, what's the upside for you other than just being miserable? If the change is coming, embrace it. Is it going to be seamless? Are you going to have nights where you're wondering, is this ever going to work? Of course, it's not going to be seamless. Of course, you're going to have those nights that you wonder what's going on but there's
1: good at the end of the tunnel. Can I tell a story, Sam? That you are tan- tangentially involved in? Please do. So there was a time a little over a decade ago where this this man I knew, Sam Fowler, was down in the test kitchen putting garlic oil and butter on the edge of a pizza with a brush. And I may have seen that for the first time and went running up three flights of stairs to my then boss, Stan Gage, screaming, "Oh my
0: god! Oh my god! They're gonna break
1: pizzas!" I got to admit that that moment was kind of my adept to change quickly moment. I could have fought and resisted and been a naysayer, and instead, it was the opposite. It's it's okay. Wait, 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 wait.
0: That was scary looking, but it tastes better. We can make it faster. We can do this. Let's go. And that
1: that moment. Every If you haven't ever had that moment, stop, look around, breathe. It's been there and and you've missed it. That moment to just grab that change when it's happening and just jump on that bus. It, it, it changes the way you approach everything.
2: And I think what it's really important for our listeners to understand is that by no means what we're saying is that every time a change comes, you have to only look at everything that's good about it. I think you absolutely have to pick it apart and find all the challenges. But the difference between the winners and the whiners is after you've picked it apart and found the challenges, you start actively searching for solutions. I have absolutely no issue with any leader that ever comes to me with any kind of challenge that they're facing or any kind of problem that they're having a hard time solving. My problem comes in when they don't start Talking about solutions. Everybody in the
1: world can point out what's wrong with something. And Sam, in the book, that's why they don't talk about sniff and scurry a lot because sniff and scurry don't contemplate things. They don't think about it. They don't analyze it. They just go. Can I smell cheese? It's that direction. Run. And humans just aren't that way. That's why most folks tie into either haw or hem and probably everybody's had that hem moment in their life where they're just like no I'm not going to change I'm going to sit here and then everybody changes around you and you're left behind now I I completely agree getting on the bus and getting moving is is where it's at and how you approach it is what matters yeah I think we all have hem moments and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all no but a moment is just that a moment it's when it becomes who you are that that Everybody goes to you because the, you're, you're the the old dog or the the veteran, right? You, I've heard that. Well, that's, that guy sitting in his ways, that one. You don't want to be that, right? There's a difference between having the knowledge and, and knowing what the old school was and looking at it and trying, trying new stuff, taking on GPS and DSS. And instead of saying, that's not how we did it in my day, give me a paper slip and let me show you how fast I am taking it and running with it, seeing how fast you can go now.
2: Yeah. And I think the great thing about being part of this Domino's pizza community. And since the day I started way back in 1984, there's always somebody around you that has figured it out and they are just dying to help you figure it out. We're all very competitive with one another and we wanted to have better stats than everyone else. But what I've never seen in the competition, around a domino's pizza in this very competitive environment that we have nobody wants to be the best of the worst they all want to be the best of the best and they want to share all their secrets with you and then just out execute you so if you're having challenges with any of these things that are coming down the pike Get on Facebook and ask the people that are saying the good things about it. What are you seeing? What challenges did you have? And learn from their mistakes. And the key is that you know, just like Kevin Shaw said in our last interview, you've got to approach things with a positive attitude. You've got to approach things with an "I can" attitude, and you know that's finally where where uh, Haw got to at the end of the book. He, he got out of his own way. He got out of Cheese Station C and he started making things happen for himself. And the thing that I really liked was the handwriting on the wall. He started leaving messages for those that were coming after him. And I think that really resonates with the Domino's Pizza community. We're always trying to help those that come after us so that they can get to their goals quicker than we did.
1: And that's exactly the why I love this book is because it feels, I mean, one, it talks about cheese, and that's just a huge part of what we do. But it just feels like it's part of us because of the way the, the handwriting on the wall. Let's be honest. We all dig in a little bit. We have our sacred cows. You can't change that. I love that. Whatever that thing is, we all have that. And to go through the book and, one, see the two mice in Sniff and Scurry just go, we know those folks that just do that, right? We also know the folks that just drag. And as a trainer, I love those folks because being able to to share the light, to share the path. Because Sam, as you said, years of doing this, we've we've walked through the maze. We we can have you not go down a couple of these dead ends. We might go down a dead end with you. Oh, we've never been there either. For the most part, we know where the dead ends are and can help guide you into a quicker path the same way that Haw leaves these handwriting on the wall messages so that him can maybe follow him behind him one day as we go through the book Spencer
2: Johnson broke it up into three different parts. He starts out with a high school reunion. Uh, some old friends getting together, talking about what's going on in their lives, and one of them starts talking about this story that he heard and how it changed him professionally, personally, and in his family, and pretty much in all his relationships. Then we get into the actual story, and at the end, uh, we see the three friends again at the discussion, or what I like to call the after party. Did you like
1: the way how Spencer Johnson used that approach, to Drew? I did. I mean, we talked about the last book that we're fable guys. If you can give it to us in a way that we can uh, see it or use it, I'm a fan of that. And this book, the story is that, however, let's be honest, none of us are mice. So you've got to tie that story in. And the bookend is the reunion and the after party, as you put it, because that's real people talking about how the story affects them And I don't know about you, Sam, but there were two or three of them where, as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yep. Seen people with that. I mean, it ties it back into real life and how you can identify who you are and what's going on around you with change. That leads me into a piece I actually want to share from the
2: book. I was reading this and immediately thought of people That I'm meeting almost on a daily basis. And the first question out of my mouth is always, how are things going? And I hear, oh, I'm tired. I'm working too much. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And all those things are true. I'm, I'm not trying to belittle their answers at all. But as I'm reading through the book, I got to this passage. So every day, the little people continued to do what they had done before. They went to Cheese Station C, found no cheese, and returned home, carrying their worries and frustrations with them. They tried to deny what was happening, but found it harder to get sleep, had less energy the next day, and were becoming irritable. Oh my gosh, that last line, that describes a lot of the general managers that I'm seeing today. And I think what they're doing is they continue to go to cheese station D for Domino's, and they do what they did the day before instead of making a plan for how they can get out of the situation they're in and they go home and they come back and they need three bottles of monster to get them going in the morning. And they're not sleeping and they're irritable and they're not taking great care of customers and gang, you got to do something to break the cycle. And that starts by identifying talent in your team and starting to take all of that time you're working. And a lot of you are working way too much. I get that you got to utilize that time and you've got to start developing your team so that you can have here's a phrase some of you may have never heard before but so that you can have a quality
1: day off i agree sam i would actually take it one step further before you find the talent in your team identify that you're actually going through it right like managers anonymous right until you say you have a problem you you don't have a problem so if you're one of those folks that I'm not irritable. And, you know, tonight when you're at work and you're like, holy crap, I am irritable. Identify it in yourself first. Because once you identify it, now now you become awe, right? Now you start looking around going, where are those running shoes? How do I get out of, in our case now, cheese station D? How do I move? How do I find the things I need to make my life better, to make my team's life better, to help my customers? Yeah, I think the road to to happiness, the road to better
2: results absolutely has to start with what you just said, Drew. You've got to have some self-awareness. As I got to the end of the book, I couldn't help but think about one of my favorite managers I have with a client in Texas. And we had a very, very open and honest discussion one day. She was near the end of her rope and she said she wanted to quit. And we had talked many times about what her challenges were. And then this paragraph came up In the book. And I immediately thought of my good friend Keisha. As far as work goes, maybe instead of changing jobs, I should be changing the way I'm doing my job. I'd probably have a better position by now if I did. If you're unhappy with what you're doing right now, take a look in the mirror. Is it the situation you're in? Or is it the way that you're attacking your situation? And if it's the latter, if you quit and go
1: to a new job, I've got bad news for you. You're going to take the problem with you. And Sam, along those lines, it's not just about work. Uh, who Moved My Cheese is about life as well. And they mention the same thinking around relationships that if you're in a bad relationship, you know, may fine, get out of it. However, take the second of self reflection. And ask is it a behavior that you're creating because if it is then your next relationship is going to be a bad relationship as well so you've got to have that moment of self-awareness to identify is it me and if it is me what what can i do different how can i change a behavior how can i well start
2: with me yeah i think that's really important um i that passage resonated with me as well when they talked about when they talked about the relationships and do I need to move on to their relationship or do I need to nurture the relationship I'm in? You know, the old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I mean, the grass is always greener where you water it.
1: That's another good one, Sam. You just have a stack of them today.
2: So Drew, if I'm listening to the podcast right now and I'm deciding, do I want to read who moved my cheese? Is this book going to make a connection to what I do on a daily basis? is this book gonna help me be better than yesterday? And what recommendations would you give to our listeners?
1: Well, Sam, I do believe this will help you be better than yesterday. I, I can see a place for this on my nightstand. I can see a place for this on my nightstand because change happens literally every day. The small amount of facial hair I have that's going grayer every day tells me that change is happening every day. And because it's happening every day, and because change happens to us not in in a silo, right, so i don 't have an individual item of change today. I have several potentially dozen or more things happening to me at a, at a time, and there are these seven pieces of handwriting on the wall in the book, and you could be in three or four, maybe even five different places at a time in a day, depending on what 's going on in your life so I think for me who moved my cheese is going to end up on the nightstand because at the very least i can pick it up and and go over a page or two and and reset myself so that i can be better than yesterday how about you sam where would you put who moved my cheese by spencer johnson
2: okay drew so clearly your uh your book has made it on the nightstand um you know i was thinking As I was reading the book and I was going through our ways that we're we're doing our final review on the book on the nightstand in the collection, collecting dust or holding up the table. If it's okay with you, I think I'd like to switch it up a little and change our very best review to what I'm going to call in the book bag. And where I'm going with that is this particular book for me would be in the book bag. And I'm going to start carrying a copy of this book everywhere I go so that when I'm with clients and I run up against a leader that I think is having a challenge with anticipating change or adapting to change or doesn't realize how much they could enjoy the change, I'm going to pull the book out of the book bag and hand it to them and tell them to read it. And then once they've done, once they're done reading it, give it to someone they think it would resonate with. So kind of a pay it forward type of thing. So for me, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go to in the book bag on the nightstand collecting dust or the one that you coined that I really like where our books go to die, holding up that creaky table.
1: Oh, man, Sam, I I like the in the backpack. Michigan, it's backpacks. I think in Ohio, it's book bags. So take your pick on how you want to do that. Well, um, you
2: know. Nothing against my friends from Ohio, but being from Michigan. Yeah, we're we're not doing anything that came from Ohio.
1: (laughs) Sam, I would actually say I would take that one step further. I actually love the idea of putting this in the backpack and carrying it with me. And I would probably go and write on the inside cover, once you're done, tell me, are you a sniff, a scurry, a hem, or a haw. Oh, I like it. Holy cow. It's like it's like two minds are better than one or something. It, it is. We are we are completely in the world of addition, not subtraction with the two of us. Wow. Maybe there's something to collaboration. So for me, uh,
2: definitely in the book bag, if you've listened to the podcast and you see me out and about and you think this would be a great book for you and you'd like to read it, uh, hit me up. And speaking of that, we said in our last episode that we were going to give a copy away of John Gordon's The Energy Bus. From the best question that we received from our podcast. Uh, I don't know about you, Drew, but my email was just flooded with questions. So there were a lot to choose from. My email is a little bit harder than yours, but social media was flooded. Yes. So the one that I chose was from my good friend Quentin in Illinois. And he asked, uh, Drew and Sam, in your careers, in your journey that you've taken so far, what was your biggest failure? and what was your best triumph?
1: I'm gonna let you start, Drew. Well, I like to start with the good news first. So I wanna start with my triumph. There was a point in my career with corporate where almost a quarter of the now franchise business consultants, then area leaders had come up through me and worked for me. So that was one of the things I always wanted to be a part of or be known for was, Uh, finding talent and developing them and promoting them. So to have, I think at one point I hit 13 of the area leaders had worked for me in the prior 18 months. That was one of my triumphs. How about you, Sam?
2: Yeah, for me, mine's a little more obscure.
1: You know, everything you read about people that have been successful,
2: they had many, many failures along the way. And my story is no different. So when somebody asks me about my biggest failure, my answer is there were too damn many to choose. There was just a bunch along the way. I've been doing this for 36 years, and there's been a lot of things where I made the wrong choice, or I didn't have enough data to make the right choice, or I was belligerent, or I was too busy staying in Cheese Station C to get out of my own way. But to me, my biggest triumph goes along with all those failures along the way, and that is I never let those failures stop me from trying to become what I wanted to become and i think the fact that you and i are sitting here both of us owning our own companies both of us talking with the highest performing franchisees and uh, getting paid to do it i think is a testament to the importance of not letting your failures get in the way of your goals and your success
1: i like that sam i i didn't do my failure i i agree though if you don't have a lot of failures you're not trying anything so there's always failures, but for me, I generally look at my life as I don't regret anything because if I regret anything that has happened, then I don't like where I'm at. And I always like where I'm at. So for me, it's it's taking whatever that failure moment is and finding how I found the dead end in the maze and was able to backtrack and then find the right way. So I I could pick dozens of them, but it's all a matter of, of none of them none of them were failures. They were all an opportunity for me to make a correction and get better. Yeah, that's the key, Drew. You hear all the time or you see people with their inspirational
2: quotes, when one door closes, another door opens. I truly believe that that's possible, but it doesn't happen organically. You've got to make sure that you don't become a hem and that you become a haw and that when one door closes behind you, you have enough confidence to get out there and start running through the maze and finding that next door to open it because much like in john gordon's book the energy bus there are signs all around us but they are not neon signs my friends you've got to be looking for them and you've got to be ready to accept them
1: and i would take that one step further i've i've always heard that same quote right when one door closes another door opens and I, I factually think that's incorrect. It's when one door closes, you've got to open another door. And, couldn't agree more. And that's the key, right? Because if you go back to the book, Paul op- op- opened the door and went for it. Ham saw the open door and just sat. And that's that's the whole difference. So that's, yeah. When one door closes, you've got to open another door. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't Don't wait for... The neon sign, you've got to go do something. And not only
2: did Haw go out and find his way, but he kept Hem in his thoughts the whole time. And Hem didn't just sit there in Cheese Station C. Haw came back to get him. And Hem said, oh, no. I'm comfortable Uh, here. (laughs) I'm comfortable here. This is what I know. And even though I'm starving to death, I'm not going to go out there with you. If you're somewhat hemish and you've got a friend that's somewhat haush and they go out into the world and they find something new and they come back to get you, please, for your own sake, get up off of your butt and go with them. It's a great world out there, gang. Enjoy the change. All right. So that's going to wrap up our book review of Spencer Johnson's Who Moved My Cheese. Drew, is there a way any of our listeners could win a copy of this book?
1: absolutely sam i'm really digging this whole send us questions that we'll answer so if you want to email drew at better than or you can reach me at sam at fowser dot net or find us on social media literally anywhere at us you can even at us in the dominoes general manager best practice group or because sam and i seem to travel a lot Just ask us when you see us a question. That question may win, and we'll send you this book. We'll announce the question and who the winner is on our next podcast. Looking forward to that. Hey, let's take a break right now and hear from
2: uh, one of our two just amazing sponsors. I I just can't believe we were able to wrangle these guys in and get sponsorship for our podcast. We have the best sponsors. It's
1: it's amazing. So uh, let's take a break right now. Better than yesterday, consulting. Do you have opportunities that seem to always be opportunities? Day in and day out, week in and week out, whether it's supervisors that work long hours for little tangible results, or leaders who are not motivated to the same goals that you have. At Better Than Yesterday Consulting, we offer solutions to your opportunities. Check out our suite of online supervisor courses, our in-person, in-store classes, or even our on-site consulting. We help and support you through your solutions. For more information, visit trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Or call Drew Helmholtz at 734-845-8147.
2: Welcome back, listeners. Episode two, we're really excited to have our next guest. This is a Gold Franny winner, a guy that I've known for many, many years, uh, runs terrific operations. And in fact, I've kind of coined him and his family as the first family of pizza. This is uh, a guy that's a franchisee in the great state of Michigan. And I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Eric Arnston. Eric, how are you doing today? Good Sam, thanks. You're doing fantastic. So Eric, uh, our listeners are always very interested to hear the journey that our franchisees went on. So are you like ninety percent of the domestic franchisees that started out as an hourly team member?
0: Yes, sir, Sam. I started out as a delivery driver in 1994 while I was going to Michigan State University.
2: And, and what was next for you in the journey? Oh,
0: well, so from '94, you know, as a delivery driver and part-time, part-time shift runner. Uh, 97 is when I managed my first store. Did that for a couple of years and then franchised my first location in 1999. Been a franchisee for going on 22 years now.
2: Wow. That sounds great. And I I know things are really good right now for those 22 years, Eric. Has it, uh, has it always been uh, rainbows and unicorns as they say?
0: (laughs) Um. Rainbows and unicorns, uh, absolutely not. It's been, you know, I mean, I wouldn't at this point. I wouldn't change anything about my Domino's journey. You know, I've learned a lot over over the years. But so I went from one store in '99 to 14 stores in 2001. Wow! So I grew pretty quick. Um, and you know, the the doldrums of the 2000 Five to 2009 in this in the state of Michigan with uh, you know General Motors closing plants and and such. I actually uh, shrunk my company size down to five locations in 2007 just to survive. Where I was basically every 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 above store position a company would have. That was me. It wasn't the easiest, but I definitely learned a lot about survival through those years. And uh, 2014 is when I started to grow again. And I've opened or I've I've gone from five locations to 14 locations, one at a time, from 2014 to just last week when we opened store number 14 in Battle Creek.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. And, you know, when you talk about just opening a store last week in Battle Creek, I I remember I was fortunate enough to be part of the opening team for the Marshall store. And you know, I think in my career as a consultant, I've probably opened five or six stores. And when we opened that Marshall store, you know, I, I gotta tell the listeners, I've never seen a first seven days go more smoothly. What would you attribute the amount of customer service that your team delivered that week and the quality of product and and how did you make all that happen?
0: Obviously it- it is just the team that we put together for that week. We realized that, you know, we only have one opportunity to open a new store, right? So you have to, you have to give as best, best services you possibly can. And, you know, we had a pretty lofty sales goal, just missed it. I mean, we were still very, very high volume. You know, I think we ended up the week at a four minute load time, 22 minute ADT, but it was through, I mean, constant preparation constant communication and then just coupled with a whole bunch of grit, perseverance, resiliency, stamina, the the things that, you know, that you need to be able to plow through those insane dinner rushes. And, you know, I'll I'd like to publicly thank you for being there that week. I mean, you want to talk about being chained to the make line. You were chained to the dough table for seven days. There is, there is no question that week is our single most successful week we've ever had because, you know, we, we pumped out so many pizzas and they were all super high quality and, you know, we're still enjoying the benefits of that today because Marshall's a small town. Yeah.
2: That's where, that's where I was going to go next. You know, I, I remember distinctly that I think I saw every single one of your above store team members at some point during that week. I saw a bunch of your managers. I saw a bunch of your assistant managers And it seemed to me like you had poured everything you could and took all your resources into making sure that store opened well. Has there been a return on that investment with with sustained sales, a sustained team in that very small community of Marshall, Michigan?
0: Every single team member in that store that started still works for us today. Um, Hang
2: on a second. That store opened over a year ago. And you're telling me that the investment you put in and making sure that people were getting quality training and side-by-side coaching has paid off in retention? Um, 100%. Holy cow.
0: Just the sheer intensity of a grand opening week can turn into you know an entire month. The, the entire crew that was hired for that store That first week, they only answered the phones and handled the front counter because it was just too busy to be able to get them into any of the key positions. So we staffed all of those positions with Above Store Team, and we have a fantastic network of general managers that volunteer to come down and help. And then week two, we started to sprinkle them into other key positions, you know, like itemizing on the make line, um, being that second oven tender. So they could get the training of, you know, from me myself, because I was there every day for 30 some odd days straight. Yeah, I got
2: you. So that transitions me into, into my next question for you. You talk about this great network of leaders that you have. What kinds of things are you looking for in leaders to be a part of five star pizza?
0: I was thinking about this the other day, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of morphed over time too, right? I mean, because the leader of a decade ago in a store is a little bit different than today because of 2020 going going through all those, all those difficult challenges. But, you know, if I was going to make my list, I'd probably say grit, you know, perseverance, you know, honesty, integrity, of course, you know, stamina, just to be able to get through those really tough times, you know, the rough patch of a delivery driver, you know, car breaking down, you know, a snowstorm coming in on your day off, you know, just the ability to step up and actually get in there and, you know, get the work done. But I would say right now, after going through 2020, you know, the most important thing that I would look in a leader would be effective communication. Because without that, you know, uh, the store can fall apart in a hot second.
2: Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, in our earlier segment in the podcast, we reviewed the book, Who Moved My Cheese?, which talks all about anticipating change and monitoring change and adapting to change quickly. Do you think that's something that that your leaders excel at? And would you consider that a really important quality in a leader for Team 5 Star Pizza
0: change is absolutely important especially in the business that we're in with competitors we got to stay stay and stay in front of them and one thing about me in particular is i've always been someone that would always embrace change we're always the first one to you know roll out the new technologies uh, you know like digital shoulder surfing gps we were the f- we were one of the first franchisees to get that, mainly mainly because there's more change to come. We need to be ready for that change instead of still worrying about the change that we could have made, you know, two, three months ago. Otherwise, it'll just steamroll you. You, I mean, if there's a problem or something in front of you, you just got to be able to knock it down and move on. So you can really get to the thing that matters, and that's make, make, and take to the customer, because, um, which all of these all of this change it's all designed to make the store easier to run for the manager some of it's a little bit harder to harder to implement but you know they're all designed to make the store easier to run for the manager and that's the way i've always framed it too you know because you got to get the full buy in of the gm as well you know hey we're doing this change to help you run your store more efficiently. So
2: with that, if you're, if you're making a list of the most important things for a store to be successful, where would you rank the ability of the store manager?
0: The general manager is the most important piece of the entire store puzzle. The four walls of the store needs to have a strong leader, you know, just kind of like a, an army needs a general. The store needs a, in uh, general, to be able to lead them in the battle every day, and you know they set the tone of the store. If they're not doing a good job of all those, you know, characteristics of you know communicating, you know, influencing, inspiring, you'll be able to walk into that store right away and see what kind of store by the way the general manager runs it for sure.
2: I got you. So as I as I listen to those that list of attributes that you're giving for great leaders, and I think back to to a young Sam in his first store. Uh, and you know, I, I had none of those. As you're bringing up leaders and developing them into the leaders that they be, can become, how important is it for you to have some patience with them and give them the resources they need to help develop them into the leaders that they be, can become? Or are you out there finding people that have everything you need
0: <laughs> no so you know that's the other thing that's uh that i feel has changed over the last couple of years too you know i mean people have always said what well, we're in the people business that just happened to sell pizza right so if we're not including a little bit of empathy in our holding them accountable a bad poker hand you know i mean it's just like they're gone that's not fun either right because the most important thing you have to do is make the job fun as well. We have to, more now than ever, we have to develop this next generation of leaders. They're not going to come to us with all of the tools all, already done. We have to cultivate that. Hi, Eric. It's Drew. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing, Drew?
1: Super. I've got a question for you around that. So as far as the, the pieces you're looking to develop, you had talked about... Uh, your GMs have to be able to change and they've got to be able to communicate. I think a lot of that took place over the last year. So for you, what was one of the things that you were proudest of your team that in all the change that happened over the last year, that they were able to communicate and and just jump on that bandwagon?
0: Well, I will say that we were probably one of the first franchisees or franchises to Really embrace and get in front of the whole covid thing I mean we were having above store meetings about how we were going to survive and get in front of the need before the first shutdown even happened so um you know we were we were putting we were putting pieces in place to figure out the hiring need before we even really had a hiring need. I'd say probably. The biggest accomplishment of 2020 is just the sheer communication between you know our our office our um, training director our supervisors district managers it wasn't an easy summer because we still had a very high turnover rate um and a lot of a, a lot of problems pop up but i'd say that right there is probably the most that's probably our biggest accomplishment for 2020 is staying in front of the people piece because we've not had, knock on wood, we haven't had a store closed for even an hour so far throughout this. And I know that that's been a problem.
1: That That's absolutely awesome. Way to way to stay ahead of it. You'd also mentioned uh, your GMs and, and getting on stuff. I know you were an early adopter of GPS and DSS. If you were looking at an... A.M. today to promote to GM because you know you might have a store opening in Battle Creek last week. What what tech would you ask of them to, to just jump on and embrace? What do you feel is that piece of store that we didn't have a couple of years ago that that you just don't know how we live without now?
0: You know, that's actually a fantastic question, dude. Um, I would say. I would say it probably has to be a balance of all because they, they kind of all work together a little bit, I suppose. Um, but GPS is a huge advantage. Just, I mean, just knowing where your drivers are, that's a huge advantage. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump on board. And I know you said tech or maybe you didn't say tech, but um, we opened the new store with, with um, cutting edge. And, you know, to me. That's the biggest advancement we've had in a long time. No longer having the fold boxes, no longer having to put up labels. I mean, if you have a strong oven tender, that's all three of those positions wrapped into one one person. So you can hold down that whole area by myself, because that was me for six straight days. That's awesome. I I.
1: Got to be a part of cutting edge in a couple places and i couldn't agree more i think it's a huge savings to you from a managing standpoint i don't know if it happens in your stores because you know you're a five-star pizza and and a gold franny winner i've seen in a couple stores where drivers tend to hide in the back during a rush and just fold boxes and now you have the store with cutting edge and there's no more folding boxes what do you see the gms having their team do instead
0: So, first off, one of the things that I've said for, I've said it for a decade, uh, the general manager's throat should hurt at the end of every shift because they're constantly communicating, right? They're constantly, you know, directing, they're inspiring, they're including, they're training, they're, you know, it's, um, and if that person isn't communicating, or you know, to the drivers, of course, they're going to run straight back to the dishes, right? Because that's that's where they go. That's the only place they have left to go is hide and do dishes. Which, I mean, I guess we need to get them done, but not at seven o'clock in the middle of a you know grand opening Tuesday. I I did find last week that we were able to um, include more of the newer hourly team members in on the front counter process, the ordering like when the the phones ring and that, that sort of stuff. But then again, Battle Creek opened a little bit lower than the Marshall store opened. So,
1: but that's absolutely great, right? You're taking that, that ability to hide away and, and there's no excuse. You've got to get up and get in production with cutting edge. It's been awesome.
0: And then, you know, one of the other things that, that I was going to say, right. As, as far as a general manager's throat should hurt hurt at the end of the shift is, you know, they're the ones that set the tone for the whole store. They have an ability to make it fun, right? If, if they're not saying anything, then, you know, everyone gets in a dark spot or whatever, you know, crack some jokes, you know, the way I train people, how to, you know, butter a stuffed cheesy bread. I turn it into a game and I make it fun. I make everyone in the store laugh when I train someone to do a stuffed cheesy bread, you know, I say, you know, do you realize that M&M, his favorite product on our menu is our stuffed cheesy bread? Why? Because you gotta go around the outside, around the outside. That's brutal. That's and they brutal. All laugh. Right? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm full of great pizza jokes. You know, and then I say, you know, they're they're a little bit cheesy.
1: They are all cheesy, but yeah, but... yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: <laughs> and and by the way, if you didn't already know this, I have you know four. Daughters that work with within within the company. So I'm full of dad jokes.
1: Eric Arnston, dad jokes all day, all the time. Hey, we're a fan of dad jokes here. We have no problem with dad jokes here. So Eric, as
2: we as we wrap up our time with you, first of all, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here on the Drew and Sam Talk Training podcast. If you were to talk to a aspiring general manager that wanted to be a franchisee. What would be your number one piece of advice you would give that
0: manager? Passion. You have to have, you have to have passion for pizza. If you don't, then you probably should look at doing something else, right? I mean, you have to have passion. You have to have grit. You have to have perseverance because if you couple all three of those things together, it makes you unstoppable. Like you have to have passion With grit, if there's ever a problem, no matter how small, how big, how expensive, you have to solve it right away, move on. So you can get back to what's really important, and that's make, bake, and take. Out of all of the weapons in our arsenal, you know, all the technology, all the cutting edge, it really boils down to a phenomenal made pizza delivered hot and fresh quickly. That's our biggest weapon to an aspiring franchisee. You know, you can never forget that. You know, if your store, if if you have a store that needs you, you have to be there because you have to lead from the front. You cannot, you cannot be that guy that you know leads from from the office. Not anymore, anyway. Um, Yeah, that's what I'd have to say to them.
2: Yeah, that's great stuff. And the thing that I really liked that you touched on, and it's something that I think both Drew and I really pound home in in workshops when we have when we get the luxury of speaking in front of leaders is that even though the business has changed so much over 60 years, it really hasn't changed at all. It's all about making a great pizza, delivering it as quickly and safely as you can and doing it with a smile on your face.
0: Phenomenal, isn't it? it, It's it's crazy. It's just phenomenal. Now we are delivering a heck of a lot more than we used to.
2: That, That is the fact, Jack. Um, so Eric, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day. Really appreciate it and, uh, enjoy the rest of your time with your family and then get back to it, sell more pizzas and have more fun,
0: man. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you guys.
1: This seems to be the end of another great episode. Episode two is in the book, Sam. For episode three, we've got on tap for our listeners, two time general manager of the year. Luann Dellinger. Sam, I think I want to talk about continuing personal growth. How we can keep ourselves moving ahead and getting better at what we do, whether it's managing a store, managing multiple stores, or growing a portfolio. I think that's a great
2: topic, Drew. One of the things when I look back on my career is I got to a point where I thought I knew it all and nothing could be farther from the truth. So I love that
1: That you've chosen for episode three that we're going to tackle continuous learning i have a similar story so i think we can both add to that to help our listeners out lastly i believe you picked a book for us for the next podcast what book would that be i absolutely did it's
2: called high performance habits how extraordinary people become that way it's by a gentleman named brendan burchard brendan is a guy that i follow on facebook He's got all kinds of videos out there that really get me moving. He's got a podcast that I download and I'm really excited about reading this particular book and then even more excited about sharing what you and I both get out of it
1: in episode three. So that's a wrap on episode two. I am Drew Helmholtz from Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam Fauser from Fauser Consulting. And you've been listening to Drew and Sam Talk Training. Until episode 3, be sure you go out and sell more pizzas and have more fun. Remember, you can
2: subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. We want everybody to get this.